0: Tonight, on Rogue Padre, Sorry. It's time to die. (laughs) R.I.P. in peace, Rogue One. I almost said Rogue (laughs) (laughs) Padre.
1: No.
2: My presence here just killed it. (laughs) No! Absolutely not. Yeah,
1: (laughs) no, it always takes us 45 minutes to get started recording an episode. It (laughs) honestly
0: does sometimes. It does, it does. This is Rogue Leader. All wings are part in. Rogue 6, standing by.
2: Rogue 7, standing by.
0: Rogue 9, standing by. Listeners, welcome to Season 14, Mission 5, Episode 118 of Rogue Padron. Tonight, we'll be doing Rogue Friedrin, Rogue 2, which is part 2 of Rogue (laughs) 1, novelization.
1: It makes sense. Just roll with it.
0: It's going to be a real sad time. (laughs) But before we jump into the sadness, here's a quick reminder of your hosts. Because we have a new host joining us, if you didn't listen to the last episode and have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Is she new, though? She's She's new to the host intros, kind of.
2: New in some ways.
0: Yeah. So if Ash, Rogue Nine, was an update added to one of the original trilogy films, (laughs) she would be Biggs and Luke catching up in the yavin hangar before the death star because that part was actually very good and really was the best edition and they should have kept it in the movie
2: <laughs> they should have yeah they should have Aww. oh oh it's so
1: perfect <laughs> yeah cuz ash is better than all of us
2: <laughs> yeah that's true yes
0: danny rogue 6 would be Jedi rocks because it's definitely something that they play while DJing a cool Star Wars party, and it's also Sice <laughs> Noodles' big moment to shine.
1: Sice <laughs> Noodles, that's right. Well, Cy- Sice Noodles was in the original version too, though, right? She yeah, was just but- a sad puppet instead of a beautiful CGI.
0: Yeah, there wasn't yeah. like a nice close up on her luscious lips.
1: Yeah. You yeah, know. we didn't know about Sice Noodles luscious lips until the special editions. And yeah. that in and of itself justifies their existence. Don't <laughs> <110. laughs> you shake your head at me? <laughs> you know Seth. it to be true. Zero knows it to be true. Zero knows all Zero. about Zero knows all, I mean, all I'm luscious not luscious. every detail I'm of those luscious lips. I'm not saying Zero probably so designed as a CGI.
0: Stuff broke seven would be where they make ewoks blink because people talked about it a lot online but it's actually like okay and you kind of stop noticing it and anyone who is spooked by them deserves it
2: i honestly never even noticed that they <laughs> blink honestly i didn't, I didn't, know, that was, I didn't right. know that was a thing that got added later on at all yes, i was really hoping you awesome. give me mcclunky i can't believe this betrayal meg
0: you know exactly who's gonna get mcclunky And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I'm the addition of more tentacles and giant beak to the sarlacc because that's completely unnecessary and absolutely too much. Absolutely. (laughs) And of course, Heath, who is now on paternity leave, would be McClunky because it's just a fucking meme.
2: (laughs) I love that I. What? Because it was, like, 2 a.m. for me. No, it wasn't even that. It was earlier than that, because I was refusing to sleep, because that's what I do. And me Wait, and... Wait, hang what? on.
1: I have to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. But speaking of um, additions to the Star Wars movies, I have a question about Star Wars. No! And And I want to know... My uh. question is... I want to know where you were the moment you first learned about the glorious wonderfulness that is McClunky.
2: Okay, okay. So, Saf, uh,
1: you you fortune predicted, premeditated my question.
2: Yeah, I I was using those force powers to figure out what you're going to ask. Um, yeah, so it was like I don't know, it was sometime between midnight and two a.m. and I was in bed refusing to sleep because that's what I do and I just finished watching Terminator Judgment Day, so my brain was like all fired up, and um, <laughs> I don't know why it's relevant, but it is, and. Like, I was mad about Star Wars because people were being, like, little shits about Mandalorian about to come out and about Fallen Order and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then Star Wars spelt out, I think, it might have been them or something, retweeted. Someone retweeted it into my feed, like, this video about, like, they changed this just to add McClunky. And I watched it and I was like, this has to be a joke. Like, this can't be real. And then (laughs) while on a totally other, different thread talking about, like, the new Star Wars movie, somebody else was like, did anyone else notice that they had McClunky to this? And I was like, wait, McClunky's real. And this was before, like, any of you guys were awake, so nobody else was, like, talking about this. It was just me and Josh from Star Wars Out. Like, being like, McClunky is a real thing, and I went to bed, like, when I wake up in the morning, this is going to be absolutely everywhere, and I'm so excited. Uh, I was crying on the
0: G-train when I found out about <laughs> McClunky. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, you'll tell that story to your grandkids someday. <laughs> it's
0: normal Tuesday morning things. <laughs> did it at least help you stop crying? <sighs> yeah, it did. You know what? It did. Thank you, McClunky. <laughs> for distracting me from whatever I was crying about at that time.
2: (laughs) It's just so funny. I'm literally... My flatmate earlier was like, Saf, George Lucas is like a warlock or a wizard or something because he has cursed you. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, because literally anyone could come up to you and say McClunky and you will laugh. And I started laughing. So she's right. George Lucas has cursed me.
1: McClunky. McClunky. Um, uh, Like, what's amazing is how, how people figure this out so quickly. Like, who... Was like, the first thing that I'm going to do when I get Disney Plus is going to fast forward to the cantina scene so I can see who shoots. Actually, that's probably what happened. I I answered my own question while I was asking it. Someone was probably like, I want to see which version of the cantina scene it is. And then they're like, Hang on. Did Greedo just say McClunky? It's the McClunky edition? Holy cow.
2: (laughs) I think someone was just watching Star Wars. They were just watching, the first thing they did when they got Disney Plus was like, I'm going to watch A New Hope. And then they got that and they're like, Wait, McClunky?
1: It was just like, I mean, I I woke up maybe an hour after Disney Plus dropped and everyone was talking about it, so someone found it right away.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or someone
1: had inside information to be like, check out the new version of the cantina scene.
2: No, I think it was just a bunch of nerds. Probably. <laughs> I was sitting here nerds. like 15
3: minutes ago when you guys told me what it was because I had no idea. <laughs> I just saw like Saf's tweets about it. I'm like, I
0: don't know what, what this a is. Good, <laughs> what a good memory of your first road podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll tell my grandchildren about this
2: one. My favorite thing about it perhaps is the fact that it is George Lucas's change. Like one of the one of the <laughs> last things he did with that with those movies before he sold them off.
0: George.
2: <sighs> His casual chaos is my favorite thing. George. I hope he writes a
1: memoir someday about all the changes that he didn't get a chance to make to the movies. <laughs> like there's so many more. <laughs> like like the rancor was supposed to say McClukey right before the the, <laughs> the grate fell on its head or like, I don't
0: know. Oh
3: god. The
2: fact that like he changed that scene again in particular is just my favorite thing. I love it.
1: Yeah. I love it so much. So just just can't just brought, it's me. such a middle finger to the fandom, right? It's
2: this has like, brought me so much yeah. joy.
1: <laughs> Greedo said McClunky first.
2: Well so it's really nice having the fans No, he's
1: the only one who said about about
2: McClunky.
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> i hate star wars so much <laughs> <laughs> so
1: speaking meg,
0: of hating star wars meg clunky meg clunky hold on i'm gonna change my twitter name so you have a you have
1: an easy twitter name right there like yeah, it's I much more of a just stretch clunky
2: to the end of my name i'm gonna hold on meg. no you can keep
0: going because i'm not leading this episode yeah go ahead
2: okay speaking of uh, hating star wars <laughs> Cassian is realizing that he never should have brought Jen to Edu or even Jetta because those are oh. just bad ideas to begin with. We're just
0: jumping right in <laughs> we're
1: just jumping right in.
2: I forgot where we left off, but it was before we we' gone to Edu, That's what's happening. um Kato is worried about Cassian because he knows Cassian better than anyone and can tell something's wrong because Cassian's feeling guilty. I think uh Cassian leaves Jen at the ship so he can go kill her dad.
1: Cool. <laughs> Cool. It's a sweet first date, you know? Yeah. Super normal
2: <laughs> Good things. Time.
1: Just classic Cass. Uh, weirdly enough, this is not the first date where this has been what Cassian has been doing.
2: <laughs> that's what we're going to get Cassian. in the Cassian show.
3: I was about to say, that's the plot of the Cassian show. He just <laughs> <laughs> dates girls and then tries
2: to kill their fathers. Meg, I know you have a bass thing there, so go for it. <laughs> is that not what you were doing? Oh,
0: I, I thought mean- that was what you were doing. Hey, look, hold on. You jumped right into it. I hadn't gotten to my to my part.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was such a McClunky move, Staff.
2: You, you told me to just go for it because you're not leaving the episode. What else was I meant to do? Oh, you can keep going. You can
0: keep going. Yeah. Okay, okay,
2: well, you'll you'll get there. Uh, K2 yeah. talks to himself because that's just something he started doing after he got reprogrammed, which is kind of cute. He also decides to himself that if nobody comes back in time, him and Cassianna just leaving. Draven really thinks that killing Galen will slow down the Death Star, Um, buddy, it's already there. It's too late.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting that, like, Galen is the linchpin of this whole thing. Like, Like, everyone in the universe seems to think that if Galen dies, like, Galen's the only human or being in the universe who's capable of coming up with the knowledge to create the Death Star.
2: But also the Death Star's already been made. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> it's already functional. Like, they shot Jetta. Right. Like it is weird it's... to think about this happening after Jetta, Like, they think
3: that it's going to have, like, any impact whatsoever. <sighs> These poor kids. tried to happened, happened like, five minutes ago by movie time.
1: Well, maybe, I mean, they didn't see Jetta happen. They're only going by reports, and so there was probably still some denial in their brains about that, right?
2: I mean, we see that, don't we, in their council meeting earlier? Wait, no, the council meeting's right. after this, never mind. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, Cassian gets the shot lined up, but he's so tired of the crimes he's never answered for, like killing that guy at the start of this movie. He sees Galen through a scope, and he sees Jin's eyes, and he he realizes he can't do it. He can't shoot Galen. Krennic kills the engineers, even though Galen gives himself up, because Krennic is a salty bitch. Galen echoes his wife, telling Krennic that he'll never win. Jin straight up just learned how to dissociate when things got hard, and that's how she climbs that big-ass ladder in Rogue One, as she's just dissociated (laughs) the hell out of her body. Baze asks why Chirrut is following Jin, and Chirrut replies, because she shines. Blue Squadron ollies in and attacks, and Cassian hauls ass down to the platform to help Jin, not even knowing if she's still alive. Bodhi asks K2 to trust him, because they both used to be with the Empire, and they both want to beat it now. Cassian reprogrammed K2, and Galen reprogrammed Bodhi. K2 does decide to trust him. Jin reaches her father's body, and she thinks, My father is alive, my father is dying. He calls her Stardust and she realizes that she no longer feels any hate for him at all. This dying man who loves her. I'm sorry, I accidentally clicked off the notes. <laughs> <laughs> like really slowly trying to get back. Um She tries to retreat to her cave, like her mental cave, but it's dark and empty and there's nothing there to protect her anymore. Cassian finds Ugh, her
1: Jen in her cave.
2: Jen in her cave. Just keeps just keeps being brought back.
1: Yeah. And it's like like in this instance it's like, I feel like part of her arc in the novelization is, like, becoming okay with her cave, but right now it's a bad place.
2: Yeah, right now it is not good. Cassian finds her in all of the hullabaloo, hubble, hubble, um, and he he's like, Jin, we have to get out of here. So she takes his hand and lets him show her the way out. Krennic finds out that he's been ordered to go to Mustafar to see Vader, and he thinks Vader will respect a man who's seen combat. Ugh. Buddy. He ha-
0: he hasn't seen combat. <laughs> I know. He got, her. he got kind of peripherally blown up. And then <laughs> his body was dragged back aboard his shuttle by his death squad, which definitely wasn't called a death squad until he was like, how can I seem cooler? I know. Death squad. So... <laughs> Buddy. I'm going to call
3: my stormtroopers death troopers.
2: God. <laughs> Vader is not going to respect you at all, buddy.
3: I made him black, just like Vader. Ugh. They kind of look like Vader. Maybe he'll respect me.
0: Oh my God. No <laughs> one respects you.
2: <laughs> Literally nobody.
0: Literally no one.
2: We get some emails between Galen and some other people working on the Death Star. Galen realizes there are issues with the reactor core and convinces everyone to build in, in an exhaust room vent because they're basically like, quick and dirty is what we need to do. Who cares if it overheats some stuff and some people die? Uh, So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Get her done. Yep. They... Maybe, maybe
1: the Death Star really wouldn't hurt, happen without Galen.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> on one hand, Galen is using this opportunity of like the Empire being like not caring about lives and not caring about getting things done properly to be able to build in this floor but also the empire is doing this to begin with and doesn't care if people die. So it is the empire's fault as well. Like <laughs> Right. There are two 20 going in this one.
1: Yeah, well and I like that there's like some serious push and pull cuz you've got Galen who's like probably spent the last however many years like stalling as much as possible. Like he knew exactly what needed to happen the moment he brought was brought on the project, but he's just been like stalling and like, "Oh, well, I still need these materials and I still need this and that." And you know the empire is just like, "It doesn't matter if it like blows up in our faces. We need to get it done right now."
2: Yeah, he's like, on one hand, we could do this quick and dirty thing that will make this exhaust vent, how convenient, or we could do this very long, (laughs) intensive thing that would look after everyone and it would be very safe. And the Empire's like, nah, we're doing the dirty thing that will kill people. (laughs) Same. Same. That's how I do all my projects, too. That's (laughs) just (laughs) capitalism, baby. Yes.
1: (laughs) Are you suggesting that the Empire is capitalism?
2: Yep. I sure am. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Mon Mothma is not super thrilled with Draven's actions because everything that's happened. I mean, she's not thrilled then, but everything that's happened means that she ne- now needs to delay her desire for a political, peaceful solution. Um, and she sees something in Jin fire, which probably reminds her of, like, Padme. That's that's just me. That's not Alex Freed saying that. Anyways, gets, speaking of fire, Krennic gets to Mustafar, and it's like, what the hell is wrong with Vader living on this goddamn planet?
0: What a great question.
3: What the hell is wrong, with Vader? Yeah,
0: nobody Big knows. Mood.
1: <laughs> yeah, do why do we think Vader decided to build a castle on Mustafar? Is it just him being emo?
3: Because he's a pretty little bitch. Himself. It's it's one hundred percent him just being emo. He's like, yeah. this is where I create. This is where I was creative, so this is where I shall live. This is my home now. Like I think this is to remind actually, me of Obi
1: Wan's betrayal.
3: He just looks think- at the hole that, or the, the hole, the hill, <laughs> the, <Kylo laughs> the higher hole. ground.
1: I should have taken <laughs> <just> the high <laughs> ground.
3: <laughs> he just stares at the higher ground all
1: day. I'm gonna build my castle on the high ground, so I never forget. <laughs>
0: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> it makes I do think point of most canonically, Palpatine actually built that for him to be like, "Ha Now you'll never <clears> escape <throat> your nightmares."
0: Yeah, and also Vader he lives the there because he, he feels... of him burning.
2: Yeah, he wants the pain as well. So you know, it's both. Ugh, of I hate <laughs> Vader. Why do people think Vader is cool? <laughs> Have you okay? Really quick. Um, apparently, in the 4K version of the Star Wars movies on Disney Plus. The quality is so good that you can see Vader's eyes. You can see the actor's eyes through the Vader helmet, and it's really funny. (laughs) That's really funny.
1: Oh my god, I love the McClungy editions so much.
2: That's creepy. dorky. I don't. Do they
1: blink though? Is the real question.
2: I don't know. I only saw a like. I only saw a screenshot. Do they have
0: like scarred face makeup on? No, because just
2: like fine. The lenses shouldn't have been seen through, and in that quality, like the quality that they were filmed in originally. You can't Technology see his eyes through it. Oh my Jake. god.
1: I want I want George Lucas to create a new edition of Star Wars where Darth Vader's eyes have been replaced by Ewok eyes that don't blink.
0: <laughs> I want Darth Vader's eyes to be replaced by big, like, anime shoujo eyes.
2: Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh, that would be so good.
1: <laughs> and it makes the sound effect when he looks at you with those big, like, cute eyes and, like, blinks and goes, ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Yeah, and there's, like, sparkles that kind of come out of it
1: yeah
2: oh amazing Aww. uh so hey, speaking of vader's anime eyes <laughs> krennic <laughs> hears vader's breathing <laughs> that um alex Fried describes as the desperate hungry breathing of a creature that should not have been alive Whoa. it's very dark good. krennic keeps thinking he knows what vader will respect and he's wrong oh buddy be careful not to choke on your aspirations director such a good play, line. Play, 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 play. I love that. You know, Anakin's
0: probably
1: so pissed that no one was there to appreciate
2: that. <laughs> right? <sighs> he he tweeted
1: he tweeted about it later. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> he was full like, him I said,
1: "Be careful not it. to choke on your aspirations, director."
0: <laughs> he calls up yeah. Palpatine and is like, "Hey, hey, so Krennic stopped by. Let me tell you." <laughs> let oh my me god. Tell you about I it. want
1: I want the McClunky editions of A New Hope to be the scene in the conference room with Tarkin and Vader, and it starts a little earlier, and it starts with Vader being like, and then I told him, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, <laughs> director. <laughs> oh, that would be
2: really yeah. good. A direct tie-in to Rogue One good stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, like oh, Tarkin Drake. and Vader fist bump because they both hate Krennic.
0: they sure do they (laughs) They disagree on a lot of things but they sure can agree that Krennic (laughs) is a little baby bear
3: the one common ground they can find with each other is how much they just despise Krennic
2: (laughs) (laughs) Krennic can't see his own damn faults and think it's all Tarkin's fault that Iodu got hit Mm
0: -mm -mm -mm.
3: he just blames
2: he deflects, he's a deflector he's constantly like no it's not my fault it's it's because of this (laughs) I am so sorry if you can hear that siren in the background. I swear it was not me.
0: Stop victimizing yourself,
2: Krennic. <laughs> it's, it's not it's just, you just wailing into the microphone's mouth. <laughs> no, it's Krennic refusing to it's uh, Krennic. realize it's his own damn fault. Jin should be angry that her father's dying words were about destroying the Death Star and not telling her that he loved her. But she thinks of how he struggled to say, my love for her has never faded. And this man who died in her arms a crumpled, confused old man. She's angry at a lot of things, though, which is pointless, she realizes. She falls asleep, and she dreams. She dreams of Saw, who gave her fire and teeth, and whom she'd never thanked. Of Galen, who gave her toys that she named, and he always remembered every name. His love had been simple and unmistakable. She dreams of her trauma and nightmares, and then she dreams of her mother. And apparently I have a dramatic reading here. (laughs) Apparently, as if you did not write these show notes. (laughs) I did, but I wrote these show notes a while ago, Meg.
1: (laughs) Alright, alright. She dreamed of her mother. Jin lay on her back, dead, in their Coruscant apartment while Lyra diligently packed gear for some one woman planetary survey mission. Lyra nearly stepped on Jin as she grabbed a portable scanner off the des- off the dessert, t- dessert table? The dessert
2: <laughs> table, <laughs> Denny. They I... have a
1: table just for desserts? Do you not
2: have one?
1: Oh my gosh, Coruscant <laughs> is so fancy.
2: No wonder Jay likes it so much. They have dessert yeah. tables. yeah. <laughs> Oh, for.
1: Lyra shook her head, reached down and pulled Jin upright. Was this a memory? Jin didn't know anymore. Her hand was shaking in her mother's grip. "Mama?" she said. Lyra laughed. Oh, lol. <laughs> and poked Jin on the forehead with one finger.
0: "You need to not lie down in the middle of the floor. I'm going to trip and fall and land on you, and your father's going to blame me when you bruise."
1: She went back to packing. Jin watched her. Mama, Jin whispered again.
2: I don't know what to do.
1: Lyra held up a hand for silence. She reviewed the contents of her duffel, nodded with satisfaction, then walked slowly to Jin's side. She smiled gently, sadly.
0: I know, sweetheart, she said. But you're a big girl. You have to decide for yourself.
1: They were no longer in the apartment, they were in the endless dark that had once been the cave.
2: I don't know how,
1: Jin whispered. Though she was ashamed to say it aloud. Lyra glanced over her shoulder conspiratorially, then looked back to Jin.
0: I'll give you one hint,
1: okay? Jin nodded awkwardly. Lyra leaned in until her nose brushed Jin's.
0: You're your father's daughter, she said. But you're not just that. It's okay. We all trust you.
1: Jin felt small. She was four years old again, and her mother was so much bigger than her. Lyra whispered in her ear, so soft Jin had to strain to hear it.
0: The strongest stars have hearts of kyber.
1: Lyra's necklace seemed to burn around Jin's neck. Then the dream was over and Jin was awake in the engine compartment of an imperial cargo shuttle, weeping harder than she had since she'd been a child, weeping until her face was red and her nose was stuffed, weeping until the dark that had been the cave seemed to be growing brighter, weeping until the tears wiped away the rain of idu and she felt clean at last.
2: I want us to read this because uh, Lyra never got that content in the movie, and she deserves to have her stuff voiced aloud.
0: Also remember how Kyber is Starbones? (laughs) God damn it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the important takeaway from this reading.
2: This dream, which actually gives her a reason for her dramatic character change in the movie... Gives her purpose, and that purpose gives her a, cha- a plan. It's a terrible, flimsy plan, just like every plan in Star Wars, but it is a plan. Bodhi and Jin have a cute little moment because they've both been strongly affected by Galen. Bodhi tells her he's going to keep his Imperial uniform for now as a reminder that he volunteered for all of this.
1: I love that Bodhi and Jin just kind of formed a little Galen fan club.
3: Yeah. <laughs> They're like both as kids. They're like, Because yeah. like weirdly absent from the movie. You'd yeah. think they'd have more, more of an interaction about it considering they were both kind of
2: dramatically changed by him. Yeah. That's why we had this Oh, one, man. Though.
1: There has got to be some good AU fic about, like, Bodhi and Jin being kind of like foster siblings. Or, like, Bodhi being a foster brother.
2: Oh, there definitely is.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I was definitely gonna write that into the fanfic I was writing about Rogue One, and then I stopped writing that fanfic. Well. I've definitely read several, like, modern AUs like that.
1: Yeah. That's very good. I like that dynamic.
2: That's good stuff. Mothma tells the council that they believe the Empire has codenamed it the Distar. Like come on, Empire, be a little more subtle
1: <laughs> Like <laughs> that's not how code names work, Empire <laughs> <laughs> You Which, said the thing out Krennic, loud that you were supposed to say quietly.
3: Did Krennic name the Death Star? Oh, absolutely. Because I would track with him calling his squadron the Death Troopers.
1: Oh, my God. That's a really good yeah. point. Oh, cool. my God.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Stop just putting death in front of words.
1: Stop I'm going to put, my put on my death happened. cape and my death happen. cap and go to my death job today. <laughs>
0: right. I need to get a new pair of death boots. These ones don't match my death pants. And It's like you need to stop. <laughs>
1: Krennic wow. was missing someone in his life to tell him to stop over relying on death.
0: It was it was Galen,
2: <laughs> my my death best friend.
0: Yeah, Galen came back and Galen was like, "Lean into it, name everything, death everything. <laughs> It'll be very well, fearsome. Let... Everyone will respect. I'm you. sure they're
1: <laughs> I like the idea that Galen wasn't just, like, manipulating the Death Star project, but was manipulating Krennic's entire career as well.
0: Just like, I hate you, this is your fault.
1: Just (laughs) giving him terrible suggestions.
0: You took me from my farm, and I wasn't even good at farming yet.
2: (laughs) The Rebel Council uh, convenes. That's the word I want. And Mothma tells the council that they believe the Empire I ever said that. Uh, while people are arguing at this council, Mothma approaches Jin. Mon Mothma wants to tell her that she won't forget what they did to Jin, And Jin tries to comprehend the sadness in Mothma's voice. The council- This was the
1: scene that we needed in the movie. Yes. Yeah, yep. absolutely. This scene in the movie, and I guarantee at least half of the complaints about Jin's character development would not have happened.
2: Yup. The council's like, well, we tried, but the Death Star is just too big and scary, so I guess we're gonna disband.
1: <laughs> it's called the Death Scar, what can we do? Oh, oh we,
2: they'll just blow
0: us up. <laughs> tell that to Amon Kallop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, Radus is the only person here being like, this is a this is bad, we need to fight it, and everyone else is like, no, no,
0: immediately left this meeting and was just like, suit up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Was- Where is
1: Akbar? Maybe they just, they just needed more like Mon Cal around the table.
0: Right. Like he was already on the way when they
2: found out about Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, wait, you're telling me somebody's going? I'm going too then. Right.
1: Radis is Rogue Zero. He could-
2: yeah.
3: Isn't it like canon that Radis and Akbar didn't like each other? So if nothing else, Akbar yeah. would probably be like, I can't let Raddus like show me up. <laughs> yeah, Akbar be and like, "No, just... we're going." And then he just shows up to scare us like 2 minutes too late. <laughs>
2: like, God damn. The it. only
1: reason that the Rebel Alliance was successful was because of a Mon Calamari pissing contest. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> That's why Akbar's nope. not dead.
0: <laughs> I mean, li- listen, if we take into account Akbar and the EU, right and his whole thing with borsk like akbar thrives on rivalry and spite and winning
1: (laughs) i think i think akbar might actually be a little bit too tapped into toxic masculinity culture
0: yeah yeah i mean he was a slave of the empire for a while oh yeah that's fair changes changes the fish Anyway, I guess we're talking about Rogue One still. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the 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 Rogue One team reconvenes because, fuck the council, they want to fight. Mm-hmm. Cassian comes to Jyn looking for absolution and for a cause, and she thinks that she can't do this, but she can't refuse those things to him, or to anybody else that's come to them. They all need this. Um, a line from this that is really nice is, she didn't know if Cassian really understood, but he said, welcome home, and she knew she was. Aww. Bodie
1: Oh, it. it this, oh, there's like a trope called found family. Yep. I feel like that is maybe what they're going for here. Weird. It's Weird. it's
3: what the
2: movie really tried to do. <laughs> but
3: uh, I don't know. I love. Rogue One. I don't think it had enough movie,
2: time to do it amongst everything else was the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Bodhi released
1: the. Oh, what's the director's last name?
2: Gareth Edwards. Edwards. Yeah,
1: release the Edwards cut. <laughs> oh, God. oh,
0: God. I would sign this petition. I would.
3: <laughs> um, it's, it is like a miracle that this movie ended up being as good as it is. It actually my, is. <laughs> my understanding is that it was a complete disaster. Yeah. And then they just got Tony Gilroy and were like, please fix it, please. <laughs> I
2: don't think it was a complete disaster. I just think it's character stuff wasn't strong enough. And then they got him to come in and did more character stuff. And then it worked out more. But yeah, Smart. the fact that like it did go through as many changes as it did, and it came out like to be the best Star Wars movie, is pretty dang impressive.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, the the thing I've been bringing up, and we've all kind of been bringing up, is the character development, and and obviously like there are you know a lot of criticisms about that. But for me personally, like I kind of appreciate that there's so much left unsaid and so much left to infer about how the characters develop and why the characters develop.
2: Are you telling me there's a good information gaps in there yes I'm sorry <laughs> yes. no actually I, I agree I really like how much isn't said in it um, but I also understand why people don't like that as much which is fair Yeah, and that's why this book yeah. exists because it <laughs> yeah. also doesn't say much but it says so much yeah Bodhi awkwardly gives them their name uh, in a panic Rogue One
1: <laughs> I'm so happy for Bodhi for that
2: <laughs> thank you Bodhi <laughs> I, <also laughs> I love, love how awkward it
3: is I also love that retroactively, Rogue Squadron, like in the Star Wars comics, we find out that Rogue Squadron is named after Rogue One.
2: Yeah, I like that. it's really cool. Just I also
3: love it to we- honor Gen.
1: We don't talk about this enough, but they told us that this movie was Rogue One, like a year before we knew what the movie was about and there was like a whole year there where Star Wars fandom just all collectively thought this was gonna be an X-Wing movie
2: that's why yep. we started this podcast Danny. <laughs> that's
1: why this podcast exists but I just feel like we don't talk about that enough just like we got majorly trolled with the title of this movie yeah, yeah. We it's like like and Rogue One is, is mostly it. just a throwaway line like it it's just nothing it's not about Rogue Squadron at all
3: my, my favorite one is when they announced that Diego Luna was gonna be in it everyone was
2: like oh my god he's bigs."
1: yeah
3: oh
2: yeah that's that's right. I was like, no, he's not going to be going You're be all, bigs. you're all fools.
1: <laughs> fools like baby Foles. horses.
2: Yeah, everyone's <laughs> a baby horse. I mean, it's staff we're talking about. Fools. At the age of fifteen, when she discovered Smashball romance and her parents' profound imperfections, Mon Mothma <laughs> decided that she was not going to be a politician, but instead a historian. It was a phase of rebellion, and obviously did not last, because it turns out she genuinely loves governance.
1: <laughs> Can we talk about Smash Ball?
2: No. I always not <laughs> writing this into the notes, because I knew someone would want to talk about it. No.
0: <laughs> you just smash a
1: ball. What's there to it's, talk about? It's like, it's like... It just sounds like a great sport. It does sound like
2: a great sport. I mean, Mon Mothma played it, so... It's yeah. good
1: in my books. I love the image of Mon Mothma as an athlete, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I love that she just, like, she was like, my per- my whole family's politicians, it's like a thing that they expected of me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be a historian. Like, that's her rebellion. <laughs> Bale looks tired as F. F. <laughs> <laughs>
1: tired as F.
2: <laughs> tired as F. He says to Mon that he'll send Leia uh, to go get. Obi-Wan, I guess. And Mothma can think of no one better, even though Leia is so damn young.
1: No, Ahsoka, right? No, (laughs) not Ahsoka.
2: (laughs) Everyone's so
0: stupid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, there was a brief moment, because didn't they, they, like, Rebels had just, like, brought Ahsoka back at that point in time. It was, I think, Twilight of the Apprentice had been before that, maybe. (laughs) So? Maybe. But, like, Ahsoka like, was still, like, everyone was still this, kind of going through
3: I the thing. I mean, it's still stupid. Of, like, but this like... isn't
0: directed by Dave Filoni, like, <laughs> it's
2: not just an excuse to put all of his faves in. Look, I, I was like, well, they're going to get a Jedi, why not send a Jedi? And also I forgot how A New Hope starts, because I'm a big dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, as soon as he said, I would trust her with my life, like, I think I was like, "Who are they gonna send?" And then we see who I trust with my life. I was like, "Oh yeah, obviously Leia." Duh. Oh my god, <laughs>
3: that scene makes me cry
2: every time. Oh, same.
0: He's so handsome in that scene. So,
3: so
1: handsome. Is. That's why it makes me cry. Yeah, because he's too <laughs>
0: freaking handsome. <laughs> I'm
2: pretty sure I like slept. I I do a thing where I like slept friends' movie like, out of excitement. Like not their faces, just their arms out of excitement when I'm watching movies and something exciting. No
0: one thought. That you were slapping their faces during a movie.
2: <laughs> I think once I may have done it by accident, like, I just flared my hand out and just slapped my friend right in the face. Um, and that was, I'm pretty sure, when Han yells Ben. But I do remember slapping my friends a lot when Bale comes out of the shadows. I was like, holy shit, it's Bale. It's Bale Organa. He's here, I'm guys. i never going
1: to go to a movie with you, Saf.
2: Yeah. Hey, it's I sounds like I did that-
1: it sounds like people get hurt.
2: I
3: did that to a complete stranger during the General Sindula line.
2: (laughs) Oh oh my god. This is why I'm so glad that I sit, like, in the- I I purposefully put myself in the middle of Friends when I go to cinemas, like, for Star Wars movies for the first time. Because I know if I don't, I will hurt strangers. Jin still lives in her cave, but it's bigger now, so big that it could contain worlds, and it's filled with light from above. She's no longer trapped. She gets breveted- Breveted, breveted i don't know the rank of sergeant and is like oh fuck now i have to give a speech
1: <laughs> okay i loved this too because the speech is another one of those things i was like oh okay Jin's giving inspirational speeches now but i like how this recontextualizes it as oh no i have to give a speech now <laughs> yeah because saw like, guerrero guess- once told me that sergeants have to give speeches yeah
2: like Melchi's just like uh morale is an important thing and you're a sergeant now so uh, can you do something about that and she's just like oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, no, and, and she's she, just like she doesn't know. She's like, "There's no other way to do this except to give a speech." So I guess my only option is to give a speech. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: like, Jin no, just like, go
1: to the local Kmart and get like Hershey's Kisses or something to pass yeah. out.
0: Jen is she's just like, mom. "Do I look like I'm a person who knows anything about morale?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: of all people, Jin I, Urso, morale officer. Like the
0: only other person who would have been a worse choice is Bays. <laughs>
2: Oh my god, Baze would have been so funny.
1: Oh my god, what would Baze's inspirational speech have been?
2: He would have
0: just growled at everybody,
2: and that was it. <laughs> Don't die.
0: <laughs> yeah. In this book, he shows his teeth a lot. Um, yeah. To just intimidate people, so.
2: <laughs> and then we get the classic lime. One fighter with a sharp stick and nothing left to lose can take the day. Make ten men feel like a hundred. The first line is a sore line, and the second one is just a good one. The
0: second I line love. is from Cassian. Yeah, it's from Cassian,
2: it's good. <laughs> it's just a good line. It's a good line, and it's a classic. Like, I mean, we said that so many times. <laughs> so many times.
0: It's really good, and in volleyball <laughs> anime, um, there is a point in which they yell um, make twelve men feel like a hundred. Oh, so. wow,
2: they really just have to show up Cassie in there, don't they?
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> such a one-up.
2: Oh, wait, is it because there's 12 people in a volleyball team?
0: There's 12 people on their volleyball team.
2: Okay. Yeah. Baze, um, through all of this, is struggling with the fact that Nijetta, he says it like that, I guess that's the the traditional name, um, is gone, and that nothing will ever feel like it again. But where the Force would fail, Cherit, Baze would not. Oh, hold on,
0: hold on, I have this marked. <laughs> Nope, <sighs> oh, too far <laughs> oh yeah this is when they're hunting yeah right oh yeah oh this part's just really good because Baze has fully committed to Jin's cause and like not the rebellion not like the other rebellion fighters or whatever but like he is just fins up all in to just go along with Jin's fury and her fire.
2: <laughs> I love it because so much.
0: Those things he can understand. And he also eats some sand, um, very important things. <laughs> yeah. And mocks Chirrut to <laughs> the rebellion soldiers. <laughs> very important base things. Like, this is actually a pretty long stretch of base and Chirrut, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's just like Chirrut's busy, like protecting the rebellion soldiers, but then Baze is just busy protecting Chirrut.
2: <laughs> Back to Yavin 4, uh, which is a prison world for Mon Mothma, really, because she hasn't really gotten the, like, now that she's working with Rebel so much, she doesn't really get the chance to leave it that often. Um, she has to resist resist the urge to be petty at Draven. And while she's doing that, someone runs in to tell them both that the rebels are on Scarif and they've just they've just fucked off. Is she it private that she... Weems? I don't know if it's Weems. I don't think they were named. I definitely
0: saw Weems again as I was going through this book.
2: Weems was mentioned again, but I don't remember if it was yeah. here. But Weems did come back. Um, I feel like can, I would have said it, it was say... Weems. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yes. I was about to say, can I just say, My fa- one of my favorite parts of Rogue One is the little smile she gives. Uh, in the movie, where she's when they're like Radis is already there, and she's just like okay, and then like gives a little smirk to the camera. It's great. Yeah, she knew. so good. She knew. I love yeah.
0: Mon Mothma.
2: <laughs> yeah, because she's she says that she needs to speak to Radis, and the 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 person who ran is like, uh, no, he's already on his way, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, he is.
0: Yeah, he
2: is. <laughs> Tarkin is just so overcritical at this point, but. <laughs> He realizes that the Death Star plans and Kroonik are both on Scarif and that he can solve all his problems with one fell swoop. <laughs> is fell swoop the right phrase there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll believe that. Uh, a couple mentions of Empire projects, which are called cool, uh, war, ma- war Mantle and Stellar Sphere. And I'm like, is Stellar Sphere a Dyson Sphere? So, what? <laughs> Of oh, what? <laughs> Are they called Dyson spheres? Like the, the vacuum? Yeah, the hypothetical the hypothetical megastructure that completely encompasses a star and captures a large percentage of its power output. Um, what the heck? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. They're like real, real, real big. They're not real, obviously. But they're real big. Right. Stellosphere makes sense. Anyways, that's just me getting into my other sci fi bullshit. Um Bodhi thinks he should feel guilty at seeing the destruction at Scarif uh, like, while all the fighting's happening. But all his guilt burnt away with Jeddah, honestly. He chose his side, and it's the Rebels.
1: Oh, uh, I'm so proud. I'm proud of him.
2: Jin and Cassian and K2 and Baze and Chirrut aren't his friends, but by God, they are his family now. Oh, what a mood. <laughs> what a merge. Fighting happens, the Starfighters come through the gate before the S.H.I.E.L.D. gate closes and help the ground team, and everyone cheers in triumph at the destruction of an At-At. Even Baze, much to a surprise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Baze is like, I showed an emotion. What is this? (laughs)
2: What is that? I'm enjoying this with other people. What's going on? I
1: don't
2: like it. That's not what this is about. (laughs) Jin gives K2 a blaster, and they have a little moment about it, because she didn't give him one earlier. Um, and then back to Bodhi, who knows there's no way off Scarif. Um, but they have to somehow reach the Rebellion up above the shield gate, and talk to them to let them know what's happening. So he's got to go out and fix this. We get some more project names, Mark Omega, Pax Aurora, Cluster Prism, Black Saber, and then Stardust. And I want to read this fairly. Are these
1: all EU references?
2: Some of them are, and I, I think some of them are not.
1: I like Cluster Prism. Oster I don't know more about cool. that.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It was a. Uh, it was. It was. It was droid stuff. That's why I want to read this.
0: <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Okay. Yep. K. Tuiso's reprogramming by Cassian Andor had stripped the droid of certain ineffable qualities. He remembered, as if at a great distance, a sort of conviction that had come with serving the Galactic Empire. He remembered too the pride and confidence that had come with fulfilling exactly the duties he was designed for with knowing that every server motor and every processing cycle contributed to enforcing his imperial master's edicts. Cassian had denied him that exquisite sense of purpose and replaced it with individuality. With individuality came doubt and cynicism, an awareness not only of the odds of success or failure, but of those outcomes' repercussions. Cassian had killed K2SO, whose true designation was far longer and far grander, rich with meaning and history that described his factory of origin, the date and time of his initialization, and more and brought him back both smaller and larger than he had been. K2 so did not mourn for his old self, but there were times he grew wistful over what he had been. Good droid stuff. Oh my Damn god, him. thank oh, you yeah. Alex Free, for delivering. Whew. I love that so much. Anyways, K2 can leave Cassie Jim without help and just, like, ollie out, but he chooses not to, and that's because now he has the ability to choose. It's his choice to defend them... And he uses up valuable resources to comfort Cassian in in an update to him while he's, like, being shot at and everything's gone wrong. But with every shot, he's losing functionality. And then... We get the death. This is the start of them. I'm sorry, listeners, but this is happening. (sighs) Okay, I'm just gonna read this one because it's a droid. Yep. He actively denied himself any opportunity to mourn or reflect. He chose to eschew further loose projections and estimations in in favour of detailed simulations and hypotheticals. He began with this premise. Cassian and Jin now had the opportunity to manually recover the data cartridge. With approximately 9 seconds until total shutdown, K2SO activated his vocoder assembly and spoke into the comm, CLIMB! Retrieving the cartridge was not sufficient for mission success. The Death Star technical schematics needed to be relayed to rebel agents off Scarif. This would be difficult so long as Cassian and Jin were trapped. K2SO had no way to free them. He made eternal inquiries. Could the data be transmitted to the Rebellion directly? The amount of data stored on a single cartridge was vast. Secure transmissions to Yavin 4 was out of the question, un- under even ideal circumstances. These circumstances were not ideal, but a communication system was available. Climb the tower. Send the plans to the fleet. Even the Citadel's communications tower could not transmit entire data cartridge with a shield game place, but Cassian had already taken measures, though Bodywork Rook threw Bode Rook to open the gate. Had Cassian foreseen the scenario? If they opened the shield gate, K2SO's protocol systems endowed his words with extreme emphasis. You can broadcast from the tower! With approximately three seconds into total shutdown, K2SO listened to Cassian's voice cry his name one last time. Then, without regret, the droid turned his weapon on the console. The comm cut out. With the controls now reduced to a melted plastoid metal compound, the stormtroopers would have considerable difficulty entering the vault. With one second left until total shutdown, K2SO chose to mentally simulate an impossible scenario in which Cassie and Andor escaped alive. The simulation pleased him. So
0: freaking rude. (sighs) It's fine.
1: It's fine.
2: It's fine.
0: It's fine. 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 That's the only death that's going to happen, right?
2: Yeah, it's fine. fine. There's also um, a sunset prayer of the Guardians of the Worlds right after this is one of the sub data. There is. Thanks. Uh, Mick, do you want to read that?
0: Sure. So the Sunset Prayer. In darkness cold, and light cold, the old sun brings no heat. But there is heat and breath and life, in life there is the force. In the force there is life, and the force is eternal.
2: Great. And then we get That's, serious.
0: That means base and sure are going to live forever.
2: <laughs> yep. Sure that does. Means-
3: Because no one's ever really gone, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what Luke
3: Skywalker told me, so it has to be true. Luke Skywalker is a liar, and we all know it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Kretnik is ignoring that everything is going to shit because he's so focused on Galen betraying him. He remembers that Galen's last words to him, You'll never win, are a repeat of Lyra's before she died. Bodhi sees Tonk, another rebel guy, dead across the landing pad and knows there's nothing he can do. Cassian tells him he needs to get the cable that he's got plugged into the ship so they can communicate with the rebellion. Cassian doesn't sound angry or determined, only pained. Bodhi wants to make sure that he and Jin will make it out alive, but there's no time for him to do that, so he tells Cassian he'll find a way. He gets everything plugged in and can only wait for Jin and Cassian to transmit the data tape. The moment they do, he's going to sweep in and save everyone, they can all get safely away. Jin shoots out the glass to get to the tapes and her and Cassian strip down. She keeps her boots on. As they climb, she knows she should have said something more to Cassian, that she's sorry about K2 or that they'll make it off Scarif, but she doesn't have the strength for that, only for survival. She gets the tape, and finally after all the deaths she blames herself for, Saw, Galen, the girl on Jetta, K2, at least she's done this much. The shaft at the top of the climb is like the light out of the cave. If she can do that and climb up there, she can escape.
1: You can do it, Jin. You can do it, Jin. You won't be stopped
2: at all. Not at all. It'll be fine. Baze follows Turret and Melshi, hoping they're seeing the mission, because he's just saving lives where he can, though he feels no responsibility for those he can't save. He's exhausted as hell, but if Jin needs it, he will fight through the night. hmm All of them mm-hmm. get trapped in the master switch. Cephla, a sniper, tries to make a run to the switch and dies for it, like, instantly. Baze is ready for a final slaughter before he dies, because it's all he can offer Jin now. Then Chirrut steps out into the sunlight. Oh! make this yep. here i'm here
0: <sighs> cherit imway felt the warmth of an alien star on his skin and a sea breeze pawing at his robes the heel of his staff dug into hard packed sand beneath the odors of conflagration and death was the perfume of jungle flowers and the sweet stink of dirt beetles Beyond the electric snap of blaster bolts, he heard a high-pitched chittering, the noise of a beast he had never encountered. To this cacophony, he added his voice. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Whatever cheer it had become in his life, and without the temple he could not truly be a guardian of the wills, without joy and frivolity he could not be a clown and a jokester among sober peers, without the holy city he could not be a protector of his beloved world. Whatever he was, he was not a warrior at heart, and the events of the day had eroded his spirit. While Baze, his brother and ward, had embraced his role with a vicious resolve, Chirrut had fought and run and killed, because fighting and running and killing were necessary. Now they were necessary no longer, and he was glad. I am one with the force, he said again, and the force is with me. The words echoed inside of him. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Baze yelled his name from the bunker. Chirot did not stop. He felt hot bolts whip past him, hard leather gloves squeeze metal triggers, and turned his body as if shouldering his way through the crowd. He tapped the heel of his staff, feeling his way toward the console by the traces of buried cables. He listened for telltale echoes, where the noise of the battle resounded off terminals and equipment. He did all of this without thinking. The art of Zamashiwo, the inward eye of the outward hand, attuned his breathing and heartbeat to his chant. It was his chant that guided his motions, controlled his pace as he strode forward. I am one with the Force, and the Force was with me. Chirut! Baze called. Come back! Baze was terrified. Chirut was not. In the instant before he'd risen from the bunker, he'd question his own wisdom. How might he separate the will of the Force from his will, his ego, demanding action where action was unneeded? But there was no doubt in his heart now. The Force expressed itself through simplicity, and all it asked of him was to walk. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. His staff wrapped metal, the side of a console. The chant guided him to its front, and he glided his fingers across buttons and readouts. He touched a broad, hinged handle recessed in the console, a master switch, if there ever had been one. A protocol bolt reverberated centimeters from Chirrut's left ear as he urged the switch forward and felt it lock into place. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. He smiled softly and thought of Bodhi, the strange pilot who smelled of Jetta beneath his imperial suit. Chirrut's chant was faltering now. With the switch activated, his path had become obscured. He listened to the storm of blaster fire and heard Baze's voice again. Cheer it, come here! So he turned toward Baze and the bunker and began retracing his steps. The rhythm of his breath was off, and the thousand noises and odors and sensations all about him failed to coalesce. Each tugged at him, insisted on his on his exclusive attention. There was only one noise, a terrible thunder, like the world splitting open. He was driven forward as pain flashed through his old bones, and every injury he'd ever suffered ignited. Somehow, as Chirrut impacted the dirt and rolled to one side, he was aware of Bay shouting his name again. He couldn't feel his staff. He couldn't feel his hand, except for a terrible throbbing and its numb weight at the end of his arm. But the art of Zamashiwo had much to say about controlling pain, and Chirit permitted his blood to spill without experiencing suffering. The violence inflicted upon his body troubled him less than the violence he had inflicted upon others. He was dying, of course. He felt Baize's heavy, familiar tread pound the ground, smelled his brother's sweat as he leaned close. He wanted to say, "'Baze, my eyes, I can't see!' but Baze Malbus had always needed comfort more than humor. Chirrut, Baze murmured. Don't go. Don't go. I'm here. He wondered for a moment how Baze had crossed the battlefield to reach him, but of course the Force had reunited them before the end. Baze's callous fingers rub life, life into the back of Chirrut's hand. It's okay, Chirrut said. It's okay. Look for the Force and you will always find me. He tried to smile, but he was no longer sure he could. The words of the chant echoed and cheered M.Y.'s heart once more before he died. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me.
2: That's some beautiful (laughs) writing right there.
0: Okay. We're fine. We're fine. It doesn't just go immediately go into something else.
2: Yeah, we've got one
0: sentence first.
2: (laughs) Bodhi wishes that he'd come up with a better plan. He manages to get everything plugged in so that the rebels can communicate, and that's, that's all he can do. He tried yep. his best, and that has to count for something, right? Right. Hey, Danny, you want to do this?
1: Copy you, Rogue One, the voice finally said. We'll get it done. Then, directed not to Bodhi, but to someone else on the bridge. Call in a Hammerhead Corvette. I have an idea. The signal went dead, and so did Bodhi.
2: Excuse me. <laughs> that's
3: it. <laughs> and that's for the bookend.
1: <laughs> the signal went dead. It didn't matter to Bodie. He'd said what he needed to say. The blaster fire outside had stopped. The silence was almost peaceful. Hands trembling, Bodie straightened behind the console and glanced from the boarding ramp to the cockpit ladder. He thought of his plan to take off, to fly through the gauntlet of ties, to rescue Jin and Cassian from the communications tower, he thought of the strain he'd heard in Cassian's voice and of his last signal to Melshi, the one that had gone unanswered. If he didn't have the chance, he'd done enough. It was okay. This is for you, Galen, he said, and started for the ladder. Bodie Rook heard the ring of metal once, twice in the cabin, and then the soft clatter of something rolling across the deck. He turned in time to glimpse the detonator. He heard nothing as the cabin flared, impossibly bright. Like a pilot should, he died with his ship.
0: That's the rudest line in this entire book. It's so
2: <laughs> rude!
0: Oh. Like, it's, like it's almost glib, but like not. I hate It's
2: it. almost glib, but it's so painful. Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> he's the pilot, though. He's the he's, pilot.
0: He's the pilot. He made the a big pilot. deal that everybody knew. <laughs> He was the pilot, and we know that he's the pilot.
2: (sighs) (sighs) R.I.P. in peace. (sighs) He was the pilot. He was the pilot.
1: (laughs) Glistening forever in our hearts. Yeah.
2: That's true.
0: Base Malbus cradled the last true guardian of the wills in his arms, and answered Chirrut's dying words. The force is with me, Bayes said, "And I am one with the Force." A flare rose in the distance. Something was burning on a landing on landing pad nine. In all likelihood, Bodhi Rook, too was gone, gone before he had ever sent his message, gone and rendering Chirrut's sacrifice pointless. Once again, the Empire had stolen meaning from Bayes. He might have screamed if not for the man he held. "The Force is with me," he repeated and I am one with the Force. Did he believe the words? Did it matter? Had it ever mattered? The stormtrooper's perimeter was intact. They'd momentarily drawn back after murdering Chirrut, away from the smoke of the explosion. Now they were closing again, sweeping their rifle scopes toward Baze. Their actions seemed intermittently slow, as if time had become Baze's tormentor, so that he might suffer the anguish of a lifetime in a second. He spoke the words, and in them he found not comfort, but conviction, or the memory of conviction, as if the words were a key to a forgotten faith of his youth. The unlocked memory strangled him, racking and intense. He knew again the significance of the Force, in every breath and action, knew all he had forsaken in the years past, saw the vast gulf between the guardian he had been and the man he was now, and wept in his heart for both he gently laid the body down and raised his cannon identified a trooper who was tensing to fire he sent an energy blast through the trooper's chest through the trooper's chest and sent him reeling into sand and dirt as the rest of the squad returned a fusilate sure bays squeezed his trigger held it and let his generator scream and his weapon writhe and buck He alternated swift bursts and raging, aimless streams with precision killings. He advanced on the men and women who had taken his past, his home, his friend, his hope, his faith, but he did not stray far from Chirrut. He had nowhere to go, and he would not leave Chirrut now. He recognized a pain he had felt before, the hot, half-numb agony of a blaster bolt, his nerves obliterated at the epicenter of a wound and screaming around the corner. Corona. He fell to his knees and forced himself to rise again. His body was caked in ash and sweat and he stank of burning hair and he embraced the nightmare, raged shot after shot until he had surely slain a hundred or a thousand stormtroopers. It was not enough. It could never be enough to restore Chirrut or the years he lost. Bay saw a dying trooper fumble for a grenade and lob it in his direction. The grenade would land short of his target, but Baze could hardly stumble forward, let alone run for cover. He wrenched himself about, craned his neck to see Chirrut one last time. When death had come for him in the shadow of the walker, he had faced it with defiance. Now there was grief. There was no fear. Baze Malbus died in pain, but it did not last long. Well, I'm done. Pass out. Yep. Ah, oh.
1: Why is Alexander Freed like this? That,
0: that's the last marker in God. my book. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my next note in these notes is, God damn it, Freed. Yeah, correct. Because, God damn it. Man.
1: Why are you like this?
2: I love it so much, but it's so painful. <sighs> Honestly, of all the people they could have picked to write this book, I am so glad it was him, because he was perfect for it.
0: Yeah,
2: I agree. Radis aboard the Profundity <laughs> receives Bodhi's message. Rogue One is alive, and Genuso has a Death Star plans. It's a chance to save Mon Cala, and there is no price Radis would not pay to see that chance realized. He has a plan for taking on the shield gate, as we heard in his last message to Bodhi, but even to his tastes, it's a very high price. He selected the hammerhead lightmaker and its captain, o- Okone, Okone, to do it. We already know what it is. It takes down the gate. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Oh, my God. That's like the <laughs> coolest moment. And you just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's cool. The, Go the watch the movie.
1: Corvette, I will say blah, blah, blah. that
0: I really like the extra part where you actually like see Captain Aquone and like hear their resolve of like doing this. I really, really yeah. like
2: that part. It yeah. is really good. It is very good
0: it felt very like from a certain point of view
2: Mm-hmm. like if
0: there was a because it's just this one snapshot in time about this one character that like we don't know but now we care very much about
2: so much about so much so much Radda silently pledges to name his great-grandchildren after Okwone and the crew of the Lightmaker Ugh. Ay, buddy good luck with that
0: Listen, Radis has plenty of <laughs> eggs. Back on Moncala. it's fine.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> that's since when problem, does me- Moncala tradition dictate that you get to name the eggs of your great grandchildren?
0: Listen,
2: I think like, Radis can eggs. Ask surely he can them name do a do few.
1: <laughs> like they can't even keep track of their children, much less their great grandchildren. I don't think so. <laughs>
2: they just point at one. They're like, okay, that one's a Quone now.
1: <laughs> that one
2: is that not even yours?
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't
2: care. Yeah, that's his name now.
1: Do you want your? Right, it just shows up with a sharpie and writes these <laughs> names on the eggs. Yeah. It's just like, what's your name now?
0: Writes it on several just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know who's going to survive.
2: That's true. Well, Yeah,
1: they're a case-selected species, exactly. so probably not many. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly what Danny yeah. said. Jin briefly stops because you can't bear the thought of making the rest of the climb past that, like spinning shaft thing. But Leah Halleck and Tanith and Kistrel, her old names and old selves, had done braver things so she can do this now. She climbs into the light alone. A Death Star shoots at her and she has to realign the thing and all of that happens. And when she looks up after that, she sees a smudge in the sky.
0: Wait, a Death Star Star shoots at her?
2: No, a TIE. (laughs) I mean a TIE. TIE fighter.
1: (laughs) I mean, but what is a TIE fighter if not just a very very small Death Star?
2: (laughs)
0: Modified I mean, it's round. Death Star tech.
2: It's round.
1: It's it like a Death Star lasers. with two big ears.
2: <laughs> that is the funniest description of a tie I've ever heard. Imagine the Death Star made like a re- the sound of ties, but like a real like <laughs> pitched down speech. version of it when it flew through the air.
0: I hate
1: that. (laughs) Joke's on you. There's been like hundreds of Death Stars in every movie.
0: Oh my god. They're just
3: really
1: small, but with ears.
3: It's like really that scene small. from Force Awakens. It's like this is the Death Star. This is Star Killer Base, and then there's a tie that's like a microscopic. Dive. This
0: is a smallest yeah, fighter. This is the smallest. This is,
3: this is a tie, which is a i I'm going to call them all hurts. Death
0: Stars now. Like, oh, did you see that new Death Star Interceptor <laughs> in the trust? Trailer? Death Star Defender. <laughs> <laughs> mini Death Star Defender. It's like, excuse me, what did you just call it? A mini Death Star Defender.
2: Yeah, those tiny Death
0: Stars. Yeah. That's, it's <laughs> Tiny Death Star. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <Lord.
2: coughs> oh, my God. I have a cold, and that laughing has not been good for it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jin sees a smudge in the sky, and the big Death Star has come to scare her. <laughs> I
1: feel like well, I have the biggest, biggest one now. so far. Yeah. The,
2: the currently
0: one, so largest death star. Death star. <laughs> slightly larger death
3: star. It's more than slightly.
1: <laughs> I would call it a significantly, significantly larger death star. significantly larger
2: death star. The significantly That's larger star. Death star That's has That's my
3: arrived. new Star Wars theory. There's two death stars. One is just slightly bigger than the other. <laughs>
2: Oh boy. Like okay, because the slightly bigger one hides the smaller one behind. Him, so can't
1: see it in the movie. Oh my god! What it's the scene from A New Hope, but the Death Star explodes, and 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 after like the light disappears, there's just another slightly smaller Death Star still sitting there. Oh my god!
2: The rebels are all like, oh god it, we forgot about three dimensional like, space. Oh,
1: didn't see that one. <laughs> Dang.
2: We go, we, we zoom up to credit for the Death Star.
1: <laughs> sorry, I can't stop going with this. There's also like a slightly smaller Tarkin and a slightly smaller critic on board, the slightly smaller Death Star. I hate Like that. it's just everything from the regular Death Star, but like a couple of inches shorter. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore their voices are all just a little bit higher.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> We're zooping up to Tarkin on the Death Star. And Alex Freed writes the amazing sentence, The dick shuddered lovingly as the battle station dropped out of Lightspeed.
1: That sounds an awful lot like a sentence that Mike Stackpole wrote.
0: Especially in <laughs> Involving Saf's...
1: Involving a, a naked Corrin <laughs> horn.
0: Especially in Saf's accent, where all the E's sound like I's, so it definitely sounded like the dick. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't think about that. You should have. <laughs>
2: oh, someone's got Which was also a
1: sentence that Mike Stackpole wrote about corn Horn.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tarkin oh, no. would love to hear Krennic try to explain away how incompetent he's been and how much everything has been screwed up. But honestly, he's tired and it's better to just wipe everything clean and start fresh. So he tells the crew they may fire when ready. What a mood. What a mood! Krennic like just lovingly. Too tired to be petty. <laughs> too tired to be petty. Krennic was never too tired to be petty, and that's why he died. That's why he died. Sometimes you just gotta go to bed, Krennic. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta go to bed at two a.m. before you make some bad mistakes. Yep. Krennic lovingly traces his fingers over his gun, which is a custom D229 he's maintained with exquisite care. He likes it because it's made for killing at co- close quarters. <laughs> Jesus, so we can see Christ, them die. <laughs> <Krennic>. <laughs> so extra. He thinks about Jin, this woman, this like random woman that Galen has enacted for vengeance against him, and he's like... I don't know who she is, but she seems kind of familiar, but I don't know why. God <laughs>
1: This this whole bit is so much better, like with the context of Catalyst, because the entirety of Catalyst, Kretnik, because he's so jealous of the fact that his lover Galen Urso is with uh someone else, he just like refuses <laughs> to acknowledge the existence of Jin Urso throughout yeah, the like, entirety of the book. The child
2: it. Yeah, the that child it. it. He even like, yeah. He's just like the woman. He gets a message that the Death Star is in orbit, and ign- he's like, "Oh, Tarkin! Tarkin is probably here to save us. He could maybe blow me up. Nah, nah, that's not going to happen." Oh boy! Um, as he steps out the lift, he's determined to kill the last Jedi survivors and silences Lyra's taunting in his head that he will never win. If Jin isn't the last of the rebels, she's close to it. She's done better than most because it'll take the Empire an entire battle station to end her.
1: Uh, pew pew. So hey, Danny from the future here, editing the episode, and I hope you enjoyed that hour of pretty good audio quality, because at this point, the tracks got all out of sync, and I couldn't fix it, and so we're going back to the call recorder, um, so just wanted to let you know that's why the sound of the episode is going to suddenly change. Um, maybe you can give us a four-star review, because the audio quality was good half the time. Uh, that's it. Back to the episode. Pew, pew! Pew!
2: Krennic turns up, a nightmare that's followed her across her life. He asks who she is and she almost screams about the fact that he could even ask that now. And then she realizes that he genuinely doesn't know her and that he's afraid. So for the first time in her life, with pride, she says, I'm Jen Erso, daughter of Galen and Lyra. Oh. Which is... This whole scene is
3: like my favorite part of both the novelization and the movie.
2: So good. Uh, it's finally a culmination of everything and it's just so good.
3: I love Jen Erso so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, this Klinic moment is- makes me go, Erso, ooh, w. Woo.
2: <laughs> Jin Urso Ooh Ooh Jin <laughs> Urso
1: That that was that's Credit's response. <laughs> 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 Except he says it very sarcastically. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> I hate that. Critic, you can totally shocked. picture him saying it too. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Let's keep going, please. <laughs> he has such please. Australian accent too,
2: just like him. Oh God, please. <laughs> he is shocked that she's the child. She tells him that he is lost before he shoots her. Cassian arrives out of nowhere and shoots him.
1: Oh, Jin... hello, Cassian.
2: Cassian. Jin well, thought he was
3: Cassian, dead. Cassian back from the dead.
2: <laughs>
1: no. It
2: is a miracle.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: a line in this when she sees Cassian is he looked like a man who'd fallen 12 stories and clawed his way back to the top. He, he looked as beautiful. Did. No, did... the next bit is the good bit. He did looked as beautiful Claude? as anyone Jin had ever known. This clawed, Danny. Like... Clawed. <laughs> clawed. <laughs> this Love novel it. makes me like unfortunately ship them oh i ship them so hot. i'm sorry to say <laughs> of course i do they're tragic so tragic Just, uh... <laughs> like <my laughs> help, <they're big. laughs> they die holding hands i have to ship it
0: <laughs>
2: uh, i mean i get it face <laughs> turn back to look at jirit see See, look, I also extremely ship Chira and Bays, okay? Like, I ship everything, Meg. I ship K two and Cassie, okay? Let's just, let's just move on. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You what? ship Niku and Cassie?
0: <laughs> yeah, and Team Cassie
1: K two, K two, K two. Okay, I'm
0: cool. sorry, I, I heard was Niku. Like, <laughs> now we
3: like, time to
0: unpack all of that. That is beyond. I don't that is We're the here. Me. crack ship I have ever heard, and I came up with a targeted Borg Gullet, like, <laughs> romance.
1: <laughs> I mean, at least in one of them, one is not 30 years dead by the time the other one is around.
2: Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Yep. Jin runs and pulls the broadcast lever at the plant's transmit, and she stumbles to Cassian, smiling like a child. Radis gets the transmission and makes ready to jump to hyperspace. He may the force be with you, Rogue One. And then Vader arrives.
1: <laughs> oh. But Raddus Krennic... survives, right?
2: Yeah, this is fine. It's totally fine. Krennic is not quite dead, though he's close to it. I'm not dead yet! Garrett... What was that?
1: Sorry, I was making a Monty Python reference. <laughs> God
2: damn it. I'm not dead yet. I'm feeling better! <laughs> <laughs> He remembers Galen throughout his life because they've known each other forever. He remembers that the child was here and tries to look for her, finally using her name in the book. And instead, he sees the penumbra of the Death Star. Okay, he realizes that he might die at Tarkin's hands, but at least he'll die in the fire of his creation, and his Death Star will be remembered for generations, unlike Tarkin. You're so (laughs) pitiful.
1: I hate that (laughs) those are his last thoughts.
2: And he, I'm going to read his death line Because why not Orson Krennic, advanced weapons research director And father of the Death Star Died alone on Scarif Screaming in fury at Galen Erso At Jyn Erso, at Will Tarkin And at all the galaxy
3: <laughs> I forgot that Tarkin's first name was Will.
2: Baby Will Tarkin
0: <laughs> What
2: a baby What a ba- Baby bear Baby bear Krennic baby It's just such bear, a like bear
1: such an chronic, like fuck you galen and fuck you Jin, and fuck you hill off and actually you know what? just fuck everyone
2: fuck the galaxy it's the worst fuck all y'all you understood my greatness so fuck you all <laughs> yeah that's what we misunderstood <laughs> <laughs> My guy this is absolutely <laughs> all, right. all of our fault uh denny oh. do you want to read cassie or do you want me to
1: uh i can do it
2: yeah good Oh yeah, all the stuff happens, blah blah blah, and then they they go down the lift together, and they go out onto the beach.
1: Cassian had told Jin, "We've done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Some he remembered now: Tivik, who'd made all this possible and been rewarded with death. But most, to Cassian's shame, he couldn't bring to mind. He'd bartered his ideals and the lives of others away one by one to find a victory that would make it all worthwhile. Yet as he watched the pulsing lights of the turbo lift. He felt keenly that neither victory nor defeat would change the terrible things in his past. Jin couldn't give him what he'd come for. That was the crux of it, really. Because he'd given her what she needed, and he'd done the mission right, and he found that was enough. She believed someone was out there. Maybe it was even true. He did want it to be true. With all his heart, he did. Her faith carried him with her. He didn't say any of it. He didn't want to disturb the silence as they rested against each other, hurting and relaxed, quietly making out, listening to the hum of machinery <laughs> and the distant billowing of fires. He stowed thoughts of old missions and thoughts of the future away, decided to focus on what he could see and hear, and smell for the last moments of his life on Scarif. When Cassie and Andor died, he would be ready, and he would be content.
3: And then it's time... God, I feel very bullied for you guys making me read this one.
1: On yeah. hey, I made
0: you
2: read in Bays, <laughs> so fair. it's all cool.
0: <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't have allowed anybody else to read them.
2: Yeah, I figured that, like,
0: <laughs> it would not be okay. It would not be okay. All right. The Death, Star,
3: well, the Death Star was pulsing with emerald light. Jin tried not to tense. She wasn't afraid of what would happen, but she didn't want to suffer. Somehow she found herself closer to Cassian than before. Her breathing matched his, or his matched hers, deep and steady. The Death Star flared too bright to watch, and a tremor went through the beach. The placid waves rolled higher, spraying flecks of warm seawater over uh, Jin's cheeks like tears. An unfathomable rumble echoed ten or a thousand kilometers away. Your father would be proud of you. Cassian said, "So soft, Jin barely heard. She thought it was true, even though it wasn't why she'd come to Scarif. Not entirely. Not really. It was good to hear aloud from the lips of someone close. The rumbling over, the rumbling overwhelmed all other sound. Jin tightened her grip on Cassian, and he found the strength to hold her. The world grew brighter, emerald at first, and then a clean, purifying white. Sorry, my phone died." Um, it- <laughs> <laughs> in, Jin, in Jin's mind the cave below uh below the broken hatch was illuminated with the strength of a sun and then the walls turned to dust and there was no longer a cave but only her spirit and the heart of everything she had ever been the daughter of Galen Lyra and saw the angry fighter that had sh- and the shattered prisoner and the champion and the friend soon all those things too burned away and Jin so finally at peace became one with the
1: force
2: Actually, there's an epilogue. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Vader fucks some people up.
1: <laughs> um,
2: no, there's, there's still more. You can all see the notes.
0: <laughs>
2: okay, the tent of A. Tant- the tentative, the tentative. I'm going to say it every way so everyone's happy. The tentiva four isn't even ready to fly yet, let alone fight. Captain Ramus Antilles loves his ship, but for the Rebel Alliance, he would risk losing it. I
1: fucking no relation Ramus to and Wedge Antilles. Antilles. No
2: relation to the I
0: other love Captain Antilles. Ramus Antilles. <laughs> Wait, are you saying Ramus love or Antilles? hate? I love him. Oh, why? Good. His fat pop story.
1: His what story? from a From a
0: certain oh. point of view. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what the hell you're oh, talking about.
2: Oh, yeah. That one is super good. <laughs> yeah. I can't read that yet, but I love him just because of this bit in this book, honestly. It's
1: Our next possible. episode should be about Remus Antilles. It should. We started we it's started not- the season with Lyra. I think we should end it with Remus Antilles. That just feels fitting, <laughs> you just know? It makes
2: sense. It just feels right. I mean... Okay, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> it's not ready to fly, but it sure does fly. Emerging from the profundity, I just wanted to say that name again, and getting the hell out of there, he tells him to prep the escape pods because they may jump out of here, but they're going to be pursued and they are not going to be able to escape. He approaches a girl in white who is so young despite her massive responsibilities. He asks her what Rogue One has sent them. Princess Leia Organa looks at him and tells him hope. He believes her. In, memori- in m- memoriam, Read it. I- I- yeah, that's, that's me telling me to read a thing. <laughs> I was like, why did I write this? Oh my god. Supplemental data in memoriam. Unpublished reflections on Jin Erso from the personal files of Mon Mothma.
1: Why aren't they unpublished? Publish them, oh my god. Because-
2: I don't know. I regret to say I only meant Jin twice. To claim I knew her well would be an insult to the young woman whose fervour captured so many. Conversely, to speak only of her effect on our movement, to recount yet again the rallying of the rebellion and our transformation from a wary coalition to a unified nation, would be both redundant and insulting. So put no stock in my words. I can tell you of those two meetings and what I saw in her, or what, looking back, I remember seeing in her, which may be far removed from the truth. You may find more of a weary ex-senator than Jin Erso in all of this. Jin was in chains when we met before Operation Fracture. I'd sooner file and chosen her for the mission for reasons I wish I could be proud of. I expected to meet a troubled girl who had been failed by the Alliance in a hundred different ways, failed by Saw, failed by those of us who knew Saw, failed when she went out on her own, and failed by our inability to save her father or mother. I expected she could be persuaded, by which I suppose I meant manipulated into helping us, and that in doing so, we might help her too. But the woman I met at base one could not be manipulated. There are very few people whose will and ferocity are so great that they pull other people in their wake. I've known some who cultivated that talent as politicians and generals, for good or ill. Jen, I think, never knew the effect she had on others, never realized the intensity of her own humanity or the presence she brought to a room. She was, as expected, troubled and quarrelsome, she was also impossible to ignore or forget in her short life she had seen relentless hardship and become hard herself but her fire shone bright in our first meeting if our first meeting was brief our second was even briefer we exchanged a handful of private words when she briefed alliance high command on the threat of the death star and the woman i met then was far different from the one we'd chained was she at peace i don't believe so but she held herself with a newfound certainty. It's become fashionable in some quarters to claim Jyn Erso went to Scarif intending to die a martyr, that she realized she had lost everything and chose her path by its inevitable end. I will dispute this claim until my own dying days. I think Jyn Erso fully recognized who she was and sought a way to channel her best and worst impulses, her darkest moments and her brightest, toward a cause worthy of her true incandescence. In a kinder universe, she would have walked away from Scarif. I cannot imagine who she would have become, but I think she would have been extraordinary. I am grateful I knew her, no matter how short the time. And that's where we end it. Dang, Mon Mothma. Dang, Mon Mothma.
1: Dang, Mon Mothma.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've never, like, I've never, like, 180'd on a character so much than Mon Mothma. Because I used to hate her, because I read Courtship of Princess Leia. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah that's
1: fair why did you do that
2: because <laughs> I was an idiot 12 year old I don't know oh. yeah what excuse do we have Danny
0: I ran it at 10
1: uh, so... we needed to make some sweet sweet hashtag content yeah we did <laughs> and we got horns out of it so you know what
2: we, <laughs> we sure did get <laughs> Anyway, that's rogue one that's rogue one that's <laughs> go read the book if you haven't
1: yeah and if you're not a book reading type if the, the movie adaptation is pretty good too
2: yeah it's it's not as good it's missing some vital scenes but it's pretty dang good yeah,
0: yeah the podcast adaptation is lacking um <laughs> excuse me our adaptation is great <laughs> but if you need the page numbers for all the base and cheers con- cheer cheer content i got it i got
1: you
2: as long as you've got the paperback, uh, the hardback is to. Find yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> you should you should like publish your Bayes annotations of the Rogue One novelization. Uh,
2: you should truly,
0: truly. All, All right. right. Um, so, someone who's not Heath, because Heath isn't here, needs to do the listener question.
1: <laughs> I think it should be Heath's replacement, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is okay. you. Okay, you know how this rodeo goes. Yeah, you've heard us before.
1: But we have to answer it too.
2: We do, do right? yeah. So the, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna mess this up somehow. I don't know how, but it's fine. You'll be fine. Oh we all. You've heard how many times I've messed up my outros. You're fine. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I've been doing that for four years. <laughs> so the question last week was, what non
3: dad would be the best dad in Star Wars, and which would be the worst dad?
2: I and- actually. Do- not have an answer to this um, <laughs> until I watched The Mandalorian, and now I say The Mandalorian would be the best dad.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we don't say more like has spoilers, but is, yeah, that's no, no that's not fair. spoilers. He is, he is,
2: he he's, he's respectful. He's respectful. He is thoughtful. He can be strict when necessary, and also he just seems to be a good family man, in my opinion. He feels like he would be a good dad.
1: So yeah. I would say that the best would be Poe Dameron. Um, because wait, is the question daddy <laughs> or dad?
0: Dad, <laughs> just dad, not capital D daddy. <laughs> just dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, uh, <laughs> I would say the best one might be Ezra.
1: Ooh, ooh, interesting yeah, choice. Why?
3: Because he's got like good examples, right? Yeah. And yeah. the worst would probably be Shriv Shragov.
2: Shriv is such a good dad. Oh. <laughs> would be a bad dad, but a great uncle.
3: I was about to say Shriv's a great fun uncle, not a great dad.
0: Yeah.
3: Shriv's a
2: fun uncle. You don't know want him as a dad. He's a great dad. <laughs>
0: sure it was a great dad 100 best dad that's so rude um i think the best dad would be i don't know if i should do a sincere answer or a joke answer why um, not
1: both well okay
0: sincere answer is finn I think Finn would be the best dad. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's Finn. He's just the best. He's just the best, and like whoever would be in Finn's life, it would just be so loved and Ugh, so loved, so taken care of, and just really, just really, really cherished and treasured. Um, Finn would be absolute best dad.
2: Ugh, I want to be my dad now.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the worst dad would be Tarkin.
2: Fair, <laughs> yeah.
0: Tarkin, Tarkin would be. Was
2: really nice to the kids in um, Lost Stars, though.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. I feel like the worst yeah. dad would be
2: Crank because he would be pity as a dad to his kids. <laughs> Just call it it all the time. Yeah, he wouldn't even like acknowledge that his kids are. Human. I don't
0: know though because like. I think Krennic would like love a mini me to shape into like himself, and so like his legacy will never die. He just really hated Jin because that
2: wasn't his and Galen's child. That's true, but you know how often kids don't don't. They don't become the parents. He would hate yeah,
0: that. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna go Django Fett route and get a non-altered clone version of. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no, you're right. You're so right. Yeah, come on.
1: I mean, I also feel oh. like both Krennic and Tarkin probably have multiple bastard children out, like populating the galaxy.
2: Oh yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. I don't want to think about that. Either holes. <laughs>
1: I mean, Krennic's crazy party, Krennic, right? Like that's just, yeah. it's, it's just how it goes.
0: Man, Coruscant's a place. It is, yeah. <laughs> dessert tables everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what a dessert table is or what it's, it's for. A for. dessert, Meg. It's obvious. Yeah, say, it's pretty
3: self-explanatory.
0: Meg. Yeah, but what do they
2: consider a dessert on Coruscant? I don't know. It's an alien planet. I we'll am so. It. I just realized right now when you said what is a dessert table for, I should have said just desserts. <laughs> <laughs> Damn <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> um, uh, Sarah Giselle said the best non-Star Wars dads would be West Jansen and Hobby. West would be a twitching bundle of nerves, but also caring and considerate. Hobby would help balance them out and uh and end up the thoughtful parent. Uh, end up the thoughtful parent. Teachers appreciate at parent night. Worst dad is Boris Failo because he's so terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
3: uh, uh, and, uh, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this name. God damn it. Uh, uh, Malai. Yeah, Malai. Malai? Did I say that right? Okay. Yep. bays and Shurrett would be the best dads. Correct. Yep, correct. Correct. Objectively true.
1: No further comment needed.
3: Nope. Mm-hmm. And I guess Heath said the best dad in Star Ooh. Wars would be Heath? <laughs> yeah, Heath? Heath? Heath?
1: Heath? <laughs>
0: That Keith?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, Keith. That's that's Keith's undercover name, Keith.
3: (laughs) The best, the best dad in Star Wars would be Kit Fisto because he'd always enthusiastically support your interests and hobbies. The worst would be Tarkin for the opposite reason. (laughs) Oh gosh,
1: those are both so true.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, Kit Fisto would be such a good dad.
2: Oh my god. Him and Aila Securas, baby. You're like, listen. And you'd be like, stop talking about my dad like that, please. I would not. I'd be like, yeah, my dad is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Maya said, if Ezra ever
3: gets out of the space whale's belly, I think he'd be a good dad. Uh, He had Canaan and Ephraim as examples, and would care so much about the baby and want to protect them from the loneliness he felt so keenly.
1: Oh my god, Maya's still staff's answer. Wow,
0: what's with Maya giving sincere Star Wars answers?
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's that all about? That. And then, um, and, you know, to, to level the playing field, Maya earlier today tweeted, I can't wait to see people tweet about Rogue Podrin. Yeah. <laughs> or something <laughs> or other. Because she'll never actually listen to us. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. She wanted to know what bird, we would all want the power to control.
2: (laughs) Oh That's amazing.
1: That is very random. We need a whole episode for that.
2: Yeah, that's That's what she she wanted us to have an
0: episode, and I said, I don't know enough about birds to make that decision. And then she said, Danny "Danny can pick them out. (laughs) Anyway. And then...
3: Uh, Abby said Bodhi would be beyond nervous to be a dad, but would pull all that nervousness into making sure his, parentheses, and Luke's child is the most loved child (laughs) in the galaxy, and would teach them everything he could about Jeddah to pass on his culture.
1: Oh, I love everything about that answer. I love it. That's so good.
3: And then then Dinner said Thane Kyrell would make uh, Will slash would make a good dad. He's seen a lot, including bad parenting, learned from some very wise people, and will do absolutely anything for those he loves. The worst... (laughs) The worst dad would be Cast and fucking Don. Oh <laughs> and no!
1: The fucking,
3: like white
0: guy that we made fun of a
1: bunch. Kasten yeah, Cast
0: the fucking racist slicer
3: of
1: oh. racism. We didn't even really make fun of him that much because he was just too on the nose.
0: Yeah, I like
2: <laughs> you. Thought about him until right now.
0: You like you couldn't make fun of him because he was just so awful, and you would just like it was just fact. Like when you said something bad about him, it was just fact. He's a racist. Uh-huh. He's a dickhead. Uh, and Ben Mormon said, I
3: think Finn would be the best dad because he would be jittery and nervous about everything, but he would love his child unconditionally and always be willing to die for them. Plus, he worked in sanitation, so he's used to cleaning up messes. Oh, And then he actually wrote a fic about it. Yep. He liked it, it so much.
2: It's a very good fic. Very yeah, good. it is.
1: We'll get in the show notes. Yeah, that'll be in the show notes, and that's a must read. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah, about Finn yeah. being also, a good dad.
2: I just wanted to, like, say that first little bit they said, like, about Finn being, like, nervous and everything, but loving his child unconditionally and being willing to die for them. I feel like that's also a description of Heath.
1: Yeah, that, that's... Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I really
1: want to good. change my answer. Heath would be a good... Heath is the best non-dad in Star Wars. For two it's true. more days. <laughs> <It's>
0: true. <laughs> for anywhere uh, right now to up to two weeks from right. now. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, and then I have no idea who this is. It's just deck the halls
2: with bows of me. It's Holly. It's Holly. <laughs> Holly. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, just read the it, names verbatim. It's so much easier that way. <laughs> despite
3: his nerves and uh, despite his wor- wor- ner- I can't talk. Despite his nerves and worries about his own upbringing, Finn would absolutely be the best dad. He'd be fiercely protective, uh, adamant that his kids would be safe and loved, and have the true childhood that he never got to have. Oh, right in the heart. Team Finn,
1: so Finn, very dad. Team
3: Finn, dad. Uh, I hope he gets to be a dad. Finn, um,
1: Finn is Finn's up all in for parenting.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then Suarez said Bay's insurance would be the best dads in Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. Suarez just copy pasted Malai's fantastic. answer. <laughs> Listen, it's just the fact. There's
0: nothing. Yeah, I'm I surprised there's not a bald joke in there. <laughs> Doesn't need to. This is sincere.
3: <laughs> um, and Liam said Dexter Chester would be a good dad. At least I think so. Four arms equal good hugs, which <laughs> I can't argue with that
2: I, just, I mean, he's good. He makes food. He's got four arms for like extra hug. Like those are two good dad things. I'm here for that. Wait. Also, he's got a great sense of humor. Who was I talking about? Dexter Chester. Was it Abby? Like Abigail?
0: No, I think it was dinner. I think it was dinner. We came up with a really weird backstory
2: for Dexter Jess.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it it's fine. It's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Oh, I have another answer as well.
1: Did you wanna say Did it? You want
2: to... <laughs> yeah, Dio. The is that it is that its name? The tiny droid? <laughs> the droid. Oh by- the droid from um Oh what's it called? The droid from Alpha Air Squadron. ITO? ITO, there we go. Yeah, DIO. Whoa, there. Safra jo- forgot a droid name. Yeah, I was thinking of DIO because of um from the Alexander of... Freed book. Oh. Look. Look. There's... I'm going to mark this date in history. Oh, <laughs> there's, God. there's
3: two Dios
2: now, so I'll give You're you I'll give two you Dios. Pass. Which I think, because ITO and two DOs are just screw me up. I think ITO would be a good droid dad. Maybe not of a kid, but of a droid, yes.
3: <laughs> um, and Tom said the best dad would be Fode, multilingual, quick with comp- quick with a compliment, supports your interests, an excellent cook. And he yeah, said the worst pho- dad... I have no idea who the hell,
2: hell he's pho- talking the about. They're the heads from, um, from the, the two heads.
0: Heads. Yeah. Oh my god!
1: That's <laughs> not, not a good <laughs> answer.
2: Fode with bead to put it together in my head, but
3: yeah, and he said the worst dad would be Bead. Refuses to learn anything but huttees, makes fun of your friends, says suck it up too much, never does his share of the washing.
2: Oh my god. Amazing. <laughs> Jesus
3: Christ. <laughs> Mika said the best droid? Dadroid?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> dadroid sounds like a bad disease. Um, would it actually be C3PO. He always worries about his loved ones, is known to produce. The- to produce the most awkward situations so he's lacking intuition uh, plus he tells the best stories parentheses R2 is the stern but getting stuff done partner
2: Ugh, that's oh. cute
3: gold dad and trash can dad yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they said the worst was BB-8 he's a show off, became a father at a, at way too young an age and is always off with his bro Poe to save the galaxy or something <laughs> when he's home yeah! <laughs> When So home, he tries to talk to his infant kids about X-Wing repairs and the perfect roll ta- tackle when all they want to do is droid ballet.
0: <laughs> oh, <no>. oh <laughs> my B- God. BB-8 runs off and leaves the
2: kids at home with sieves. Oh, what oh, the no. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> BB-8 was too young for this. Yeah. What kind of a dizzy death
1: bb so mad. <laughs> oh, no, this is a sequel to your sign. It's BB-8, deadbeat dad.
0: <laughs> leaving Seabes alone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh my god, Seabes is perfect. CB-23 is the most
2: perfect droid in the galaxy, and he's just like, bye, peace. Gonna hang out with Poe. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> <Gonna>
1: go fly next to Poe.
2: Seabes is friends with babes. My babes, not that babes. With with good, with little black with the, babes. Yeah. Oh
0: my god. She comes along and helps the kids. Can they become lesbian? <laughs> Absolutely. Because what the fuck? We're taking away visitation rights. BB8. God damn. <laughs> a sentence to be uttered. Taking him to court. I'm gonna write so, a so was the the BB-8 first episode. The,
1: the first episode of season two of Resistance was actually bb 90 trying to reach out to CB because like she saw that CB was in a bad relationship and just oh wanted to help God. her out.
2: Oh, my God. God. Okay. Glistening bodies. I'm giving mine to Mika. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I'm giving mine to Ben
0: Warman because we're on the same thin wavelength.
1: I'm giving mine to Abby Gleason.
0: I'm going to give mine to Maya because
3: we had very
2: similar answers. (laughs) Also, I'm I'm just so happy with Maya giving us a good Star Wars thing. Cause I know sometimes she so she hates Star Wars, but Not sometimes, like, Maya fucking hates Star Wars. <laughs> sometimes Maya hates Star Wars, but sometimes it really just gets her right in the heart and I feel like this was the time that it did and that makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still just really mad. <laughs> you have to ask the next week's question,
3: Ash. Oh shoot, I'm sorry. <laughs> This week's question is: uh, I'm sorry. This week's question: What changes are you hoping to see in the McClunky edition of the Star Wars films?
0: (laughs) I need a week to think about this. I need to think about this one so much. It's very important.
1: Okay, but the theme here is like just really tiny, really insignificant, but like totally stupid. Yeah, (laughs) just Just like McClunky.
2: You can hit us up on Twitter at RoguePodrin with your answers to this question or just general comments or kindness to us because we love that. Email us roguepodron at gmail.com. Our website is roguepodron.com. Our Patreon is Patreon.com slash roguepodron. We can get cool perks such as a Discord with us in it Um, and also other things. Other cool things are there as well. Also, you're supporting us and we do love that as well. Subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google, and any of your other favorite podcatchers. write and review us on iTunes, because we are hungry and we need the stars for food. And look, we're putting so much effort into our audio now. Please love us.
0: And we got apparently
2: really upset by the three stars. Oh, it was just me, I think, because I'm still holding on to this. It's really <laughs> upset. Give us five stars! <laughs> <laughs>
3: It just occurred to me that I may have never reviewed Rogue Pod on iTunes. Well, now it just feels like nepotism if
0: you do
1: Yeah, Ash, now you can't.
0: <laughs> Has Ben done it? Get Ben to do it.
2: <laughs> hey, Ben, review Rogue Pod. Come on.
0: Yeah. And if Anyways, you already do- have, make a dummy account. Do it Do it again. <laughs> yeah,
2: it seriously only really takes like a couple minutes to do it. It's not super hard. I know... Nobody likes to do it because it's, like, extra work, but it does actually mean a lot for shows when you review them and rate them because it means that we get more visibility and more people may listen to us, which is kind of, you know, maybe you don't want to do that because we are Rogue podron and other people will be unprepared, but do it for us.
1: Yeah, Please. and, like, it's extra work. If you look at the amount of extra work we're doing compared to the extra work you have to do...
2: Look, if I could take a photo right now of the stupid setup I have just to record audio. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's, it's really stupid. It it. Can't confirm it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next time. Resistance Reborn. So, go read it. You have some time to read it. listeners. if you haven't read it already, you should definitely read it. It's actually a very easy... Read. So, um, so please please do window.
1: it. And, and a Rogue so Padron favorite is a major character in there. So, like. Yes. yeah
0: Yes. Yes. So, go do that. Until next time, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew pew. Pew pew pew. Pew 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 pew, pew. pew. snooze, snooze, snooze. <laughs> snooze, snooze. It is midnight.
1: Okay. <laughs> Cash out! Cash out.